Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tavar Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. Now, let's start the show. You are back with Bike Life, and today I have Mike with me, and he is a corn-fed Indiana Hoosier and an adventurer and is currently in Colorado, of course, my home state, and is extremely passionate about sustainability. So, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you, Taverly. So happy to be talking with you today. I mean, it's it's too bad that you know things weren't a little different and we could be having this conversation in person somewhere beautiful up in the mountains, but maybe next time. Next time, I'll hold you to it. <laughs> yeah, because you're not far from me. You're you're in Boulder, and I'm outside of Denver, so we're not far. Which, you know, technology is so beautiful that we can have these conversations no matter where you are. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, thank you so much for taking time to join us. And I would love to start with how you got into bike touring from the beginning. Sure. Yeah. So. Uh, when I was a sophomore in college, I heard about a nonprofit organization called Bike and Build that raises money and awareness for affordable housing initiatives. So you could kind of think of like Habitat for Humanity type work. And um, the uh, the organization uh, would organize uh, bicycle trips across the country with groups of about 30 young adults, college-aged uh, adults. And we would bike across uh, the country, uh, raising money and spreading awareness of the work that we were doing. And we would build homes along the way. And that was my first experience cycling. And um, granted, it was a little bit different than uh, solo touring. We had a support vehicle and there was a whole pack of 30 of us. But uh, that experience really kind of gave me the confidence uh, to go out and venture on my own, uh, traveling by bike. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a great experience that I got early on. When was, how long ago was that? Yeah. So that would have been 2011. So a good 10 years ago now. Nice. Well, I love the idea too, that you were doing like humanitarian work along the way. That must've just been such a phenomenal trip. It really was the, the best experiences were when we were directly working with the communities that we passed through and helping very deserving families um, have a roof over their heads. So it was, it, it made the trip special that way. And it gave you a taste for the wind in your face. Oh yeah. <laughs> nothing better, nothing better than traveling on two wheels. It's just the right pace. It's the right way to go. Yeah. I've recently um, trained my dog. I have a Husky. He can do not, not far, but he can probably do 10 miles in a day. Um, hey. Just, just hooked up to, to my bike and running next to me. And I'm like, wow, if I keep this up, I might be able to take him. I might need to get him his own little carriage though, in case he gets tired or yeah. you know, some way to like <laughs> pack him. I don't know if I could ride him cause he's 85 pounds, but I might be able to like put him in something next to me because he loves the wind in his face too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can get a little bob trailer that you pull behind your bike. Yep. Yeah. Um, I love it. I love that that's a really, you know, impactful trip that you had to start. And so then what? When was your first solo trip? Yeah. So it was then uh, a good four years later. I finished up school. Um, my last one of my last semesters, I studied abroad in Chile. And I had the inspiration for a very long bicycle trip that I um, just completed last year. It was a four-year bicycle trip around the world. 
when I was studying in Chile, I met a, a gentleman. He came and spoke in one of our, our business courses, and he decided to ride his motorcycle from Santiago, the capital of Chile, all the way up to New York to present a new wine at a international wine conference in New York. He was uh, working with a vineyard down in Chile and had this, this really cool idea. And I thought, this is great. This guy decided to mix travel with a certain business objective. And as a business student, that kind of caught my attention. So it was that day I decided that I would go on my own little adventure, but biking rather than motorcycling. Um, and I would travel around learning about renewable energy, as this was the, the area of, of business I was uh, most interested at the time and still am. And uh, so I decided I would finish up school and go, go to work, uh, pay off my student debt and save up for a solo bike trip uh, to do just this. And um, I left in what was August of 2015 and returned in August of 2019, so a little over uh, a year ago, uh, traveling around the world uh, on my bike and uh, learning about clean energy as I went. So that was, uh, that was my first and last big solo trip on a bike. Wow. That was four years. Yep. Yep. Four years. I think I actually just spoke four years and two months. So October of uh, 2019. Uh, so yeah, it was a long one. <laughs> you know, when you talk about it, you have a certain glow to your face about that experience. I, I can only imagine how much, you know, that was impacting, like probably everything you're going to do the rest of your life after that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do. When I talk about my trip, it, it brings back, um, a real um, strong spirit in me. It was really the best years of my life. Um, you know, it, like you said, when you're when you're traveling on a bike with the wind in your face, you just feel great. You know, and endorphins are flowing through the body. And um, for me, it's a wonderful opportunity just to take in the beauty of the world and be uh, directly uh, in interaction with the people that you meet along the way. And um, that's where I learned of the incredible diversity of our world. Uh, I traveled through 63 countries over those four years uh, through five different continents, and I got to see a lot. It was, it was really amazing. So let's break that down because that's a lot. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think about how we can get through 63 countries on the show. <laughs> okay, so let's start with this. Um, at the beginning of your trip, where did you, like, where did you begin and what was like, the first year? Let's take it chron chronologically. Like, what was that first year like? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in northern Indiana, in South Bend, Indiana. Uh, hence, hence the Hoosier. <laughs> that's me, in, born in the cornfields. Um, oh, that's so, so funny. Uh, yeah, I decided to, to head back home and say goodbye to mom and dad, which was a very emotional goodbye. I should just say that pretty much all of my family and friends thought that I was a little bit crazy, um, but a couple of them thought, thought it was a great idea. Uh, so I took off and I crossed uh, the United States. Uh, my brother at the time was living in Los Angeles, so I wanted to see him on the way out. Uh, so I went across, directly across uh, the Midwest and uh, the central states, uh, crossed over uh, the Rockies in, in Colorado there and, and dipped down into California. And it was during this time that I first learned about warm showers. I didn't even know about it um, before I'd left, but I met three other young Americans who had just finished up their college studies, and they were taking a trip across the country. Uh, for them, they were learning about waste in the United States and kind of uh, doing a little bit of work to, to show just um, the improvements that we can make in, in terms of how we, we treat our waste. And um, 
so yeah, they introduced me to warm showers and that was really cool. It was a little nugget that helped me all throughout um, my trip around the world. And, um, I left down into uh, Mexico. I, I crossed at Tijuana and I spent the full three months of my, uh, visa there, uh, traveling all throughout Mexico, which was, uh, one turned out to be one of my favorite countries in the world. Uh, and then I continued down through Central America. I had a really interesting crossing of the Darien Gap uh, between Panama and Colombia by taking a series of small fishing boats through the, uh, wow. the islands of uh, the indigenous Kuna people off the coast of Panama, which was a real highlight. And uh, made it down into Colombia, and uh, I continued down along the western side of South America. And I guess after one full year, I would have been, I think it was around northern Peru. Um, so that was, that was how far I made it for that first year. Wow. How, how often did you keep in touch with your family and did they, did they calm down after the first year when they realized, okay, he's doing it. He's okay. Like he's living his best life. (laughs) Well, yes and no. So, um, yeah, I would try to communicate with them at least once a month. It was actually relatively difficult in some parts of the world, um, especially in Africa, um, I, you know, I didn't have a, an international cell phone or, or anything like this. I would pretty much go off the grid. I enjoyed uh, kind of the, the solitude and uh, feeling more present in the, in the small, air, small towns that I was going through. But um, in Africa, it's a little bit more difficult. Oftentimes, if you do want um, an internet connection, you have to buy data um, for a cell phone that you would get, maybe just 50 cents or a dollar worth of data and then uh, make some, some calls that way, uh, Skype into to family. And, um, you know, they were more supportive as I, as I went through the trip. Um, but at the same time, my confidence in myself and just all the people that I would meet in the world led me to be uh, a little bit more adventurous as I traveled. And so naturally, my family being very loving and concerned for me, um, they were a bit worried with some of the crazier stories I would tell as, <laughs> as the trip progressed. Um, but I'd say the last year, most of our calls were pretty peaceful and, and they were fully supportive. Um, but I think a family should always uh, uh, feel concerned for, for all their members. So I yeah. was lucky to be in such a family. Caution. Ca- caution comes with love. Indeed. <laughs> yes. So, okay. So let's move to year two. So you were in the Peru area and where did you go from there? Yep. So I was in, in Northern Peru. I, I tried my hand at some uh, Alpine mountain climbing for the first time. I couldn't resist there in the, in the beautiful uh, Andes mountains in the North of uh, North of Peru. I continued down, spent a good bit of time in Peru. A sister of mine came to visit and I then went into into Bolivia, excuse me, uh, traveling across the beautiful, beautiful landscapes of Bolivia, the uh, most famously known, the, the salt flats there in, um, in Bolivia. Um, I continued down and kind of jumped back and forth between Chile and Argentina. Um, Chile is kind of a second home for me after I did study abroad there and uh, was able to spend um, my second Christmas abroad with with good friends that I had made before. I continued all the way down. And I should say that my, my initial plan was to circumnavigate the world uh, without flying. I, the theme of my trip was renewable energy, as, as mm-hmm. I had mentioned before. And so I felt as though it was only fitting for me to um, kind of conduct my travels in a fully human-powered way. 
And uh, so my dream was to sail across uh, the oceans. And um, by the time I made it all the way down to the southern tip of, of Chile and Argentina, um, down in uh, what is called Tierra del Fuego, um, I made it all the way down and I learned that it's a little bit more difficult to, uh, to find your way across the ocean. But I did meet a, uh, a wonderful old French couple um, who would uh, do charter trips down to Antarctica and they had just finished their season and they were planning on sailing north to uh, Uruguay where they would spend uh, their off season. They had room on their, on their sailboat and funny little story was the night before we were to set sail um, up the South Atlantic Ocean, it was another French sailor's birthday and they had quite a bash uh, we'll just say that there was plenty of Argentinian wine on hand. <laughs> and um, my, uh, my captain, uh, Alan, he, um, he stumbled coming down into the sailboat. The, uh, the tide had dropped and um, it was a, a very fun party. So uh, he, he took a bit of a spill and the next day his, his shoulder was injured. And I had never sailed before. And he said, Mike, you're going to have to do all of the work as we sail the next oh, 10 days to wow. get up to Uruguay. So um, wow. it, was, it was a great, great experience. He, uh, he taught me to sail in the South Atlantic Ocean um, and some very rough waters. So it was, that was a real highlight as well um, as we made it up to Uruguay. Um, so like your I, wish I, actually happened. You did learn how to <laughs> sail, maybe not right. all the way across the ocean, but you learned how to sail. Wow. That's that's. that's Yep, That's incredible. <laughs> it was it was a, a good bit of fun, and you know the one thing that I would say as our audience um, um, is very familiar with warm showers, and the one thing I found is that the richest experiences I had consistently were with the people that um, I would just meet at random and would host me. I also had some very rich experiences um, through warm showers, but maybe the one message to everyone is that. You know, if you're thinking about traveling, especially on a bike, um, I, I encourage everyone to kind of lose their fear of being accepted and hosted by complete strangers. What I found consistently country to country is that, you know, if you ask for a hand, uh, the human spirit is a very kind and generous one. And, and I think people universally are very eager to, to help and, and learn and share uh, their culture a little bit. Uh, which was was a really rich experience for me, um, but um, Alan was was no exception there. So we we made it all the way up, and um, I actually learned to to use warm showers as I then had had to fly. Uh, so this was the first time for me. I flew from Buenos Aires to South Africa to Johannesburg, and so I met a wonderful young couple, uh, two girls in in Buenos Aires, who hosted me. And as I um, disassembled my bicycle to put onto the plane. And I also contacted another warm showers host there in Johannesburg, um, older gentleman named Patrick, great, great guy who um, insisted that I stay several days as I rest and, and prepare for my African safari. Mm -hmm. And um, it was great. And sure enough, just by chance, two years later, I crossed paths with him at random in Angkor Wat uh, in the, the ruins in Cambodia. Um, just one of those incredible rare encounters with someone that you met what seemed like a lifetime ago. Um, so that was really cool. It was like, wow. uh, like our, our friendship was continued. And um, so I continued up and then let's see, to get into, um, to complete that second year, Africa was, was by far the greatest part of my trip. Um, 
the people are so, so incredibly energetic and kind and, and lively. It's great. It's impossible not to be happy when you're in Africa. Um, and as, as I was contri- uh, continuing to travel north, uh, I decided to get a little bit more involved with the renewable um, energy aspect of my trip. Um, earlier, when I was in Colombia, I, I had a great experience uh, staying with another Warm Showers host. Um, the gentleman's name is, is Manuel. Uh, he had a Casa de Ciclistas, a bike hostel, uh, which is can be found in, in several different countries in South America. And uh, he encouraged me to help out in, in this little bike hostel that was just put together by different uh, cycle uh, tourists over the years. And so uh, I decided to build a solar water heater uh, for the home mm-hmm. um, as there was no uh, running hot water in the house, uh, which was a cool experience. And in Africa, I then decided to uh, experience with uh, solar energy and um, I completed a, uh, a solar installation for uh, a young family in, in Africa who hosted me one, one evening. Uh, it was a system with a battery that uh, was able to run a deep freezer that he had in, in his little shed. He was a bread salesman. He would buy bread uh, from a bread truck that came through his village every two days and sell it to the people there in his village. And um, with the solar system and, and the um, in the deep freezer, he was then able to expand his offering. So mm. he would sell cool drinks and freeze goat meat that he would purchase from the local farmers and uh, sell it to the people there in the village. So um, great experience there. And um, that led me to do some work with a local organization that was installing solar powered water pumps mm. for uh, villages in Eastern Zimbabwe um, which was great. And, uh, in Malawi, I then, uh, decided to, um, build a project to, um, develop a windmill that would pump water for a village. And that was the start of my third year. So Mm. the second year was very eventful. Wow. Now let's take a moment to learn a little bit more about today's episode being brought to you by bikeflights.com, a bicycle shipping service for cyclists. You'll enjoy fast delivery, great prices, and excellent service with every shipment. Select your shipment's delivery speed to suit your schedule and tap into their group buying power to get great rates. Throughout the shipping process, their support team, made up of fellow cyclists, works directly with their carrier's exclusive global operational team so that your shipment will arrive on time. Join the more than 700,000 cyclists who have used bikeflights.com to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today to find out more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. Mike, I'm, I, I, I just... I feel like we could continue this conversation for so long. I want to hear more. So I'm not going to say much. I want you to keep going into the next year because this is incredible what you're sharing. And also, I think the fact that you were expanding in ways, all it, it feels like you were changing and growing in your own confidence and your own ability to navigate different cultures and your own ability to just be totally open and release the fear. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and pursue a passion at the same time. I mean, that's a multitude of things to be happening at once. Absolutely. I I think that's a great observation. Um, It's also one thing that I've seen in other uh, cycle tourists who have traveled independently, especially internationally, because you're forced to open up uh, to 
learn and receive the different people and cultures and ways of living and thinking uh, that exist throughout the world. It really kind of stretches you as a human being. And I felt that that was happening to me. Um, I was very grateful traveling through Central and South America. I, um, I learned Spanish after studying abroad and was able to really improve my Spanish and traveling. Um, but that helped me to connect with, with all of the people, obviously, when you can uh, speak their native language. Um, it was interesting in Africa because there are so many different languages throughout the continent. You can literally travel just some 20, 30 miles in, in many Eastern African countries, and um, you're then using a different local language uh, that is used by so many tribes or so many villages. And um, so, you know, it forces you to learn and to really pay attention every day to, to pick up the greetings that people use and uh, their different mannerisms. And um, I tried to be very respectful and rather humble as I was traveling. And um, yeah, you know, the, the great thing was, was that for me, especially as I was traveling in Africa, um, you know, the people were so kind and so grateful, yet they were so incredibly impoverished. I mean, we're talking about very consistent yeah. subsistence farming uh, throughout much of, of the continent. And I just thought, you know, after coming from a developed country there in the United States, we take so many things for granted. You know, we, we have um, a country that's so rich in, in natural resources and, you know, strong, thriving and insecure economy and, mm -hmm. and government here. And, um, you know, it's, there are luxuries that don't exist for so many other people in the mm -hmm. world. And, um, so, you know, I felt inspired to, to help out and, you know, maybe one cool, uh, experience to kind of share on this family that I mentioned that I, I built a solar system from every single night as I was traveling, warm showers is not as present throughout Africa, um, as, yeah. as you might imagine. And yeah. So from night to night, you know, when I needed to stop and look for a place to stay, um, it was just a very simple process where I would go in, usually try to find a collection of men. Um, and I would ask, is, is the chief here? Is the chief present? I would like to stay here uh, in your village for the evening. And you always needed permission from the chief. That's just the way that, um, that their community works. And I was never turned down, never, ever turned down. And so, you know, this one particular evening, um, one gentleman said, go, uh, down the road here and, and stay with this certain family that he identified. And, uh, the gentleman's name was Zulu, a young guy about my age at the time. Um, he had a, a child on the way and he was so kind and, and he was, you know, showing me his, his business. It was just the size of a little tool shed, uh, just this little, this little mud, uh, hut that he had built and he would sell his bread out of. And I thought, you know, who's more deserving than this guy who's working hard, yeah. Um, and as a, a child on the way, and, you know, I was in a, a position where I had saved up some money for my travels and I knew that I was going to have some extra money if I continued traveling as frugally as I was. And that was the way that I enjoyed traveling. So I thought, you know, I want to help out for me. I, I had the benefit of learning more about renewable energy. I had never, um, built a, a solar system or, or put it together. And uh, it was a good learning opportunity for me, but was also an opportunity to really help someone who was very deserving. And um, it was great. Uh, it, was, it was a fantastic experience. And that motivated me then in the beginning of the third year uh, to go a bit further and uh, build a windmill. So um, there's, I know maybe some of the, the listeners here would be familiar with the story of a young man in Malawi who built a windmill when he was 14 years old after just reading a library book that he found uh, in his town. 
And uh, this incredibly inspiring story that I learned of when I was in South America, and I decided, you know, if I'm going to learn about wind energy, I want to go learn from a young guy like this who taught himself when he was 14 years old. So I biked into Malawi. It was the first day I was there. And the, the first town that I arrived in, I just started asking around and mentioning this, this young man's name. And uh, they had identified the, the town that he was in, but uh, it turns out that he wasn't there. He was actually in the United States, uh, I mm. think, pursuing a, a degree here. And uh, in asking for this man, I, I met another young man um, named Zach Mwale. He was kind of the local innovator there in town. And we got to talking and I said, hey, man, how about we try to build this windmill? I have no engineering expertise or anything, but he did. And I told him, I said, I'll fund and manage the project and let's see if we can't build a windmill. But I wanted to pump water out of the ground because I felt as though water was a more pressing need mm -hmm. than, than electricity. Yeah. And, um, and so we ended up building a, a windmill, what I thought was going to be a two-week project. It ended up being this wonderful six-week adventure where I was able to really integrate into this, into this community and in Western Malawi. And um, we, we ended up building a windmill to pump water for uh, a small village, um, a couple dozen homes. And um, it was, it was a great, wonderful experience. Um, yeah, I felt as though I benefited more than anything from understanding the Malawian people and um, the way that they would live their life. Um, for anyone who has traveled, I think most would agree that the longer that you spend in one place, right. the richer the experience is. Right, right. Um, so, so that was tremendous. Wow. I've been to Nairobi a couple of times, so I can, I can really appreciate um, the need for water, like how important it is. And I think that in the United States, at least people that have not traveled internationally, especially into third world countries, don't necessarily understand how, how blessed we are for the basic needs such as access to water. I, I, cannot, I cannot talk enough about water. So I love that you did a project around that. Yeah, I would totally agree. Um, yeah. Food and water are of utmost, utmost importance. Um, so mm -hmm. it was yeah. great to help out with that. And, you know, after that, I, I continued traveling. I had to move a bit uh, quickly up through Africa just for the sake of the seasons uh, that I was going through and um, made it all the way up as far as uh, Jerusalem in Israel, where I met some, um, some good friends that I hadn't seen since high school. Um, and then I flew to Italy after I wasn't able uh, to find a ship to, to cross the Mediterranean. Um, and I, I continued traveling uh, into Europe, which was another great part of the world, especially with, with renewable energy, as right. there, um, so many of those countries are very, very progressive with um, the sustainability. Um, so great. I was able to, to learn a good bit there as well in Europe. So after four years of doing this touring and projects, right? Renewable energy projects. What was it like coming back and like acclimatizing to being back? And did you settle in Colorado immediately or did you originally go back to Indiana? Yep. Yep. Made it back to Indiana. I'm glad you asked the question because, you know, for anyone who does travel outside of, of the country, it is good to be prepared for uh, the culture shock of, of coming back home. For me, it was very, very strong. And I went through a series of, of different culture shocks. Usually when I would uh, cross a large body of water, um, you know, the South American Argentinian culture is very different from South African culture. So uh, culture shock there. Um, another one when I traveled from, I had to fly across uh, Pakistan and Tajikistan 
from Uzbekistan into northern India, and those two cultures were very different. But mm. the strongest was definitely my last flight from uh, Malaysia to Alaska. I wanted to cycle down Alaska and Canada and back across the northern states to conclude my trip. And uh, it was very, very difficult. It was by far the hardest when I came back to the United States because I found that after traveling through so many different countries, over 60 countries, that um, I really sort of molded myself to the different places that I would travel in. The way that I would speak, uh, the way that I would carry myself was different depending on the country that I was in. I couldn't walk around with my chest out and a big smile on my face in quite the same way uh, that I was able to in Africa uh, when I was in uh, countries in Southeast Asia. And um, so coming back into the United States, I was able to see my country, my home country from a very different perspective after I had really changed myself. And I'll say it was, it was really difficult for me. Um, you know, unfortunately we have such a wonderful country, but, um, we do have our flaws. I mean, we are not the most sustainable, uh, of countries, um, very wasteful in, in many ways. Um, and, you know, the American personality is, is also very unique. You know, we are very proud, very, very loud, very um, confident people here in the country. And it was something that I really wasn't used to after coming um, from Southeast Asia and traveling so many countries there, so many months there where people are much more calm and, and quiet and, and a bit more reserved. Um, but sure enough, uh, that was one of the last times that I used warm showers when I flew into Anchorage, Alaska, and I stayed with uh, a nice couple there uh, who just had a newborn baby, and they really helped me. I did need a couple of days. I, I came in after a very, very long series of flights, and I said, hey, I could really just use a day to rest, and they were very supportive of me. One of the biggest benefits that I found with with warm showers, I mean, um, I was thinking back to all the wonderful experiences I had with warm shower hosts, but uh, one of the biggest ones was that they understood oftentimes being cyclists mm. themselves that uh, you just needed a day of rest. And, yeah. um, you know, it's a, obviously a great experience when um, you can kind of motivate them to travel again. And for them, it's a way to travel, you know, in the comfort of their own home by yeah. hearing different stories. Um, but uh, warm showers really came through when I when I was back in the states. Yeah, I love that relation to understanding the need for rest um, and food, like you know, piling up on calories, replenishing, replenishing your mind, replenishing your body, <laughs> like good sleep. Yeah, super important. Yeah, definitely, and uh, it's really great. The other one I find that um, it provides just a little bit of normalcy, uh, which I think is really important when you're traveling for for extended periods of time it's easy to get into a rhythm where you know that you're, it's a very nomadic existence. You know, you're traveling and you find a place to stay, but just for the night and then you're up and, and running again. But when you do stay with a, a very kind family and it so often is the case through warm showers, uh, things just become normal again when they say, Hey, if you need a couple of days to, to stop, you're at home here, you know, mm. life is normal again. Mm. Um, that's really great. So I'm very grateful for the warm showers community that I was able to benefit that way. Well, I'm super grateful for you sharing this, sharing your experience, sharing four years with us is incredible. And the work you're doing on 
um, renewable energy and focusing on protecting our planet is really so commendable. It's something so important. Our planet needs us all to do a little bit more, especially in the United States. And I'm willing to say that, especially <laughs> in the United States. I spent 14 years in Canada. So I'm, you know, there's vast differences, even though we're so very connected and culturally, True. but we are very different in terms of how our government regulates um, how we handle waste, even, for example. So I'm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's a wonderful endeavor. So as we're getting close to time, I want to just ask you one question, which there's so many questions I could ask you. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to pinpoint one. Sure. But let's, let's just say that what is the one piece of advice that you would give somebody that is looking at something long-term, not the not the trip from Colorado to California or, mm-hmm. you know, because there are those and they matter and they're really wonderful and it's not to discount them. But for somebody that's looking to tour for a year plus, what can they do to prepare themselves mentally at the very beginning? Yeah, wonderful question. Thank you. Um, it's great. You know, I I would say that if you're considering a, um, a long distance international tour, um, there's only so much preparation that you can do. Um, maybe it's just my style, but I left very ill-prepared. Um, but I'm glad it worked out that way because you learn as you go. You really, really do learn as you go. Uh, mentally, I think the really the, the best preparation that one could do is um, to really put yourself in a mindset that once you leave, um, you're totally open to spontaneity and whatever it is that comes in your way. I think too often when we're traveling, if we have a very set itinerary, it takes away from the real enjoyment of the travel. And uh, that's what's just kind of hiding around the corner that uh, we'll only discover if we're not afraid to, to stop and venture. My, my motto, my, my little reminder to myself every day when I was traveling was that I needed to uh, look around smile and keep my hands open. Uh, And that was to not just look ahead and not look behind, but to look all around, uh, to be totally present to whatever it was that was presenting itself to me, Um, to smile, to bring a positive energy and and an energy with respect and humility to to everyone that I encountered, because I always was a guest everywhere that I traveled. And um, then also to keep my hands open uh, and that was both to receive and to give uh, to the people that I met. I found that so often people just wanted to help. It was so incredible on a daily basis. People would see me traveling. You know, I had my bike loaded down. My bike was at least 125 pounds as I was traveling and, you know, biking up mountains or across deserts and in smoldering heat and humid areas and jungles and you know, people thought, well, hey, this guy's working, you know, and they'd stop and they'd want to give me water and they would want to give me food and ask questions. And um, I had to learn to receive um, and then also to give when I could. And um, so I'd say for anyone who's, who's preparing to go and travel, um, just get yourself in, in a mindset where you're ready to be very open minded uh, that way. And then I think the, the trip will be great. Oh, that's such great advice. Beautiful, beautiful sharing today, Mike. Great advice. Thank you so much for being willing to come on and um, and provide your story. I think that this is very inspiring. 
Hey, thank you, Taverly. When you're back out here in Colorado, we got to go for a ride. Well, I'm I'm here. I'm here now. <laughs> oh, you're over. I, okay. Yeah, I'm just I'm in, on the centennial side, so maybe we should maybe we should meet this summer. We can go for a ride, and we'll do a podcast in person, and then hop on our bikes. There we go. Sounds like a plan. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much, Mike. And for those of you listening, thank you again for your support of this podcast. We would love it if you would give us a rating and review on whatever app you're listening, because of course, that helps us get in front of more people. And thank you for listening. And we will be back. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.